he really got me. You know, I think it's because he was gay. Got the nuances more. Get me a gay, Mickey. Gotta get a gay. Well, hello, and welcome to another episode of In the Details. My name is Colin Drucker, and you are, of course, listening to In the Details. I just told you the name of the podcast. I'm so in my head when I try to record this intro. I don't know why I can't just like relax and just talk to you because that's kind of what I'm here to do. That's what you're here to listen to. You don't need a whole production, you don't need a whole ooh ah sensation. You just need me to talk about a bunch of movies and specifically the actresses and occasionally actors who are making them nuanced and special. Um, And that's, of course, what In the Details is about. It is a celebration of nuance. It is the acting choices and micro moments that make me want to talk about them every week on a podcast. Um, I am so excited about this episode. And people always say, oh, I'm so excited. And it's like, that's a real show-don't-tell kind of situation. Like, it's not really viral if you're just telling me. But I am really excited about it, and you should be too, because this is, of course... The Tony Collette episode. I mean, really, it's the hereditary episode, but specifically, it's the Tony Collette episode. Once again, we're going real deep, real heavy and in the details and um, looking at some really weighty nuance. Um, hereditary is, is as much a horror movie as it is like a really sad and um, unrelenting saga of a family struggling through grief. But before we get into that light and jovial content, I do want to just say thank you to everybody who listened to last week's Call Me By Your Name episode and had lots of feedback. I was um, I was definitely nervous about that one because I felt like, oh, I don't know if this is popular opinion. You know, as I said, I don't want to just land on hating something and just shitting on something. I, I definitely feel... I've said all this already. I don't want to talk about Call Me By Your Name anymore right now. I want to talk about Tony Collette. Can I just talk about Tony Collette? Yeah, you can talk about Tony Collette. Who am I talking to? Nobody, because it's my show. So um, we're going to move on, and we're going to talk about Hereditary. So I just saw Hereditary this weekend. And um, now I was going to see it. I don't. I was going to see it like a week or so ago. But the only reason I didn't is because... If I'm going to go to the movies, I'm going to be bougie about it. And I'm going to go to one of those movie theaters that has the food and the drinks and the recliners and like less people in the theater. I don't know. I mean, am I asking for too much in this world? It's like there's less seats. It's nice. It's a it's a select audience. And, you know, I want I, I want all of those amenities. If I'm going to go to the movies, I'm I want those amenities. And so the theater in Brooklyn that I go to that has all of those amenities. There are probably other ones, but it's the one I'm familiar with and is easy to get to on the train. Uh, it was no longer playing Hereditary, so I was like, I, yes, I could have taken the train three more stops into Manhattan and gone to see it in Union Square, but that theater was A, in Manhattan, and two, does not have the food service and the tables and the recliners and all that business, but I still wanted to see it, and so I uh, went on Friday and... Um, they, they do let you select your seats, which I guess was, we had, we had really good seats. Um, there is no in-theater dining, but there were pretzel bites. So I had a, a, a healthy order of pretzel bites and a significant amount of Diet Coke. Um, the last, like, 40 minutes of the movie, I, I had to pee so bad. It was like... I, it was just this, such a conflicting situation of like, I have never wanted a movie that I'm enjoying so much to end so quickly as I do Hereditary because I just 
don't know if my bladder can stand the mounting pressure of Diet Coke. Um, it did. It did. I'll, you know, it was one of those situations where you walk out of the theater and I'm literally waddling. I have to make the room. I, um, I, I'm practically having contractions. I mean, it's, it's just, it was a whole thing. Um, and then you're peeing and, oh, I can't, why am I telling this story? But it's like, is this ever going to stop? Am I ever, is this, is this my life? You know, is this going to be like in a Christmas story when the kid gets his tongue stuck to the flagpole? Is like, is this it until I, like somebody sees me going, guys, I, I, I don't know what to do. Um, call the firefighters, whatever. Can't hurt, right? Um, and so um, that's not the point of the story. Hereditary... Well, if you haven't seen it, I was, I was thinking about this. I was like, should I try to make this episode as spoiler-free as possible? But, like, guys, I just don't think... Like, I just don't think this is going to be as good if I have to worry about spoilers. Because I think if you haven't seen it, then, like, a lot of what I'm talking about probably won't resonate as much. So it's totally fine to go see it and then come back and listen to this episode. Like, this is pretty evergreen content. I don't think it would be too topical, you know? So quick backstory on Hereditary, just the real top line, because, you know, you can watch the trailer. Um, and I think this is one of those movies where it's like, well, it's uh, it, depends, it depends on who you ask in terms of, like, what it's about, right? Um, but essentially, it opens up with the um, grandmother of this family. She's just died. And her daughter, Annie, played by, of course, Tony Collette, um, in, in a, you know, state of sort of muted grief because as we as we discover she had a very complicated relationship with her mother her mother was something of a witch and then of course you know there's her there, there's her husband Stephen played by Gabriel Byrne then there's their son uh Peter played by Alex Wolf who I have was not familiar with I think he was on some like Nickelodeon show I have IMDB open I could look at this while I'm talking to you so let's do that I'm just padding while I find it um he was in a whole bunch of stuff thanks IMDB uh, that doesn't help me. In any event, oh, the, the Naked Brothers? I, is this like, all right, no, I, I'm uncomfortable. Um, anyway, and then there is their daughter, Charlie, played by Millie Shapiro, who I'm also not familiar with, but, um, she is, uh, well, I mean, let's just kind of talk about her real quick, because, um, Let's, you know, if we're, if we're not going to talk about, if we're going to talk about spoilers, like, let's go to the spoiler that I did not see coming at all. This movie, uh, this movie certainly pulls a psycho or a scream if you're a more modern reference, but it ends up killing off a character that from the beginning you expect to be the one we're going along with. Um, and so Charlie, I mean, for horror movies, you know, for a kid to die, if the kid does die in a horror movie, you, you normally don't see it. Um, or it happens early on and it kind of kicks off the story or the kid comes back to life or there's just some kind of extra nuance there because in general with horror movies, I guess, you know, there are some standards and seeing kids die in horror movies usually um, falls within those standards except in Hereditary where we see Charlie get brutally decapitated by a telephone pole. Um, I did not. Neither neither I nor Charlie saw that coming. Um, it was, uh, I guess I kind of expected, and from the marketing of the movie, and this is very clever, um, finally trailers that don't tell you the whole story, but definitely showed me things where I was like, okay, I think I know what's going to happen in this scene. Um, but didn't tell you the whole story, so you kind of assume that Charlie's going to be in it, that maybe she is even like the source of evil here, but... Uh, she is merely uh, in the way. So, of course, what that means, though, for Annie, for Tony Collette, is that the, 
the layers of grief that we watch her and her entire family, but namely Annie, namely her, the layers of grief we see her go through. I mean, from the beginning of the movie, you just, you think like, oh, they're in grief from the grandmother dying. And that is like, we're already like, this movie, this movie is a seven layer dip of grief. And the beginning, you think that you're mostly into it, but you are basically beans on the bottom, baby. Like you, we have not even gotten into the depths of grief that this movie is going to. Okay, so first of all, was, was Hereditary scary? Yes, absolutely. Super scary. Not tons of jump scares, which I was certainly happy about. This movie just, it, it feels different. There was just something about it where it was like, I don't really know what this movie's going to do. And there's so many other horror movies now that are so formulaic that you kind of trust the formula. You even trust when the movie's going to betray the formula, and, and that in itself is a formula. But Hereditary, there are certainly, I think there are things that are definite allusions to other movies and, and definite definite references i there was um certainly a rosemary's baby quality about the movie at certain points you know you could say there's a don't look now quality to this movie i mean there's definitely it has its references but it doesn't feel constantly referential i i think this could be one of those movies that other movies start referencing in in whatever number of years but the things i found the scariest in this movie i mean the the traditional horror stuff certainly but it was like the the depths of loss and the depths of sadness that this family had to face. And I don't think there is anything worse in this movie. I mean, of all of the crazy shit that happens, I really think the worst moment in the movie is when Annie discovers Charlie's body and the kind of shit storm of, of grief that that lets out. I mean, here's what's so incredible about this. We don't even see the scene. So, because what happens... If, if you haven't seen the movie and you like spoilers, what happens is that Annie makes Peter take Charlie to this party that he's going to, and then he goes off to smoke pot with his friends. And he says, oh, they're, you know, they're giving out slices of cake. Go have a piece of cake. But of course, as we see when they first enter the house, there's somebody chopping up nuts. And we already know that Charlie has a nut allergy. And so you're like, okay, well, we're not like watching the nuts get chopped at the party for like no good reason. That's not like something setting the scene. It's like, Kids drinking, somebody did something crazy, someone fell in the pool, that girl's chopping up walnuts. Man, what a party! Like, it, it just, that doesn't tell you anything. So you kind of know. I mean, this movie gives you hints right up front. When they're driving to the party, the, the camera stops on the telephone pole when they pass it, so you know that that means something. But you don't know enough, and it's all too weird and too nebulous on its own. But then when it all comes together, it's like, oh, geez, it's like all of this, it's like I saw all of this coming. And I think that's kind of intentional in a way because there's this whole idea that um, that people who are um, possessed by the spirit, I don't want to get into the whole backstory of the movie because I don't fully understand it, but I know there's this whole concept of like being able to see things that are coming, having some sense of what's coming and, and thus being able to manipulate the situation because you know what's going to happen, you know? So anyway, she ends up having a slice of cake. She ends up having an allergic reaction. Peter leaves the party with her, puts her in the back seat. She's, of course, she can't breathe. Her throat's closing up. She sticks her head out the window to try to get some air. And then he sees, you know, because it's at night and he can only see two feet ahead of him, suddenly there's, you know, an animal body in the middle of the road. And so Peter swerves to miss it. And then he ends up swerving it away in which Charlie meets the telephone pole head on and it's good night chuckles. And uh, then, oh, I mean, Peter just like after after this all happens, he just like stops and, he, and the body's still in the backseat of the car and the head is not, it's somewhere else, it's on the side of the road. 
and he just sits there. And it's like, it's like I summoned the face journeys because it is just a focused shot on him kind of processing, oh my God, what did I just do? Is that real? Oh my God, it is real. Like letting it set in. Like we're just watching it set in. It's just like that face journey in birth with Nicole Kidman. Like it's so cool between that and call me by your name. I'm, I'm getting my 10,000 steps when it comes to face journeys these days. So thank you, uh, universe. Um, it, it's really, it, it is incredible. It's an incredible, very realistic processing or not processing of that moment because then he just kind of turns the car on again and just keeps driving. I mean, the body's in the back seat, you know? I, I, he just goes home and he just goes in the house and then he goes to bed. And then the next morning, we're just kind of like focused on him laying there. I mean, just, it wasn't a dream, you know, that feeling. Um, and I mean, that is just the worst feeling. Oh my God, when you just desperately need something to be a dream or not real, and it, it just won't be. It, you just won't snap out of it. It is just... Uh, the pits, right? And then, of course, we just kind of hear the, the the sound of Annie saying that she's going to be going out, and then she leaves the house. And then, of course, we're just focused on Peter's face, and we know what's happening. She is at whatever point, whether when she got into the car or as she got closer to the car. But it's I'm assuming I'm assuming she probably saw it before she got in the car that something was amiss. And then she lets out, it is nothing short of primal, this this banshee scream that it, it's like, it's like we couldn't have been in the scene, right? Like we couldn't have seen this, like we couldn't have been there because it was too fucking raw. It was like, it, it was wild. The fact that I was left to my own imagination to put this scene together in my head was like even worse. And then after that, there is this scene of her, there, it, it, she and uh, her husband Stephen are in the bedroom and she is just, she is, you know the expression like 10 pounds of shit in a five pound bag? She is a five pound bag full of 10 pounds of grief. And she is of course, I mean, it, it's sort of, I don't know if it's on purpose, but it's, it's so poetically perfect that she is um, in child's pose on the bedroom floor. And it's kind of like we're watching as if we're like, it feels like we're some kid watching our parents crying in their bedroom, you know? And it's like, oh God, like, this is scary. This is bigger than me. This is like, this is a, a type of grief or a type of an experience in general that I have no fluency in at this age. And she is, you know, Stephen is kind of like over her and he has like sort of hand on her back. And she is, I have never, I have never seen this, like this performance of grief. She is like screaming it out of her and it's not enough, you know what I mean? And I have been there, I think we have all been there at some point where you're like, I think at some point she's like, oh my God, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna die. Like this is killing me, this is, this cannot be real. And she's just screaming and crying and it, the camera's not cutting, the scene isn't ending, it's going on almost longer than you want it to, which is strange for me to say, because I love moments like this, but it is, it feels beyond acting. It feels beyond a movie. It feels beyond, I feel like I'm not even like, whoa, this is such an incredible performance. I am uncomfortable in that I don't think I should be here right now. Like, I think this is a display of grief that should be private. And I can't even believe that I'm allowed to watch it. 
And all of that, I mean, I'm sure tons of credit goes to the director and to Gabriel Byrne for just kind of, as they say, like holding the holding the scene, you know, holding the energy. Because I, I, I mean, like I'm not an actor, so I can't like bring like a technical point of view, but you can definitely recognize just on a human level. I mean, if you've seen the scene or just in general, like these kind of deeply emotional scenes, you know, people talk about it when they're filming sex scenes, but I feel like in some ways to me, this feels more vulnerable, you know, because you're actually crying. You're not actually having sex in most sex scenes in movies. Um, and so for her to have like to go to this place, I mean, the way the scene is filmed, you kind of get the impression that maybe there's no one else in that room, which is really cool. Like there wouldn't need to be anyone else in that room. And so they could just be filming it from the hallway. And so the actors could be alone in the room having this moment together. And I don't know if that's what happened. I, I'd love to go, you know, I'm sure there's, whenever the director's commentary comes out, but I'm sure there's interviews, um, you know, I will go digging. Or if you know, then uh, drop me an email at inthedetailspod at gmail.com. I'm just so curious, like, what it takes for someone to go there. Because there's lots of actors who say, oh, it was a really emotionally demanding movie. I, was re I really had to go to some difficult places. And you watch and you think, okay, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to take that away from you. But when you watch Hereditary, I mean, this is like the Cirque du Soleil of emotional acrobatics. But Tony Collette can also do anger, can do rage in a way that is, oh, my God. Like, it... I don't understand how someone couldn't like Toni Collette. She just, A, seems like a really cool person. She just, I don't know, that comes through in interviews. You can kind of get like a gut vibe. I'm sure she has her off days. I'm sure she's been pissed off or been annoying to people. But like, in general, I'm like, you seem like you're probably, you're probably a decent human being. And B, I mean, it's just like, you have to give people A for effort just for like showing up the way she shows up to a role. And, and especially to this. I mean, this role, it's like... You may not like horror movies or you may not really like the subject matter, but like the, it, there is no denying the dedication that she is putting into this performance. And when she says, oh, yeah, this was really exhausting or this took a lot out of me, I feel like exhausting is not um, that describes what it is to watch it. I can't even imagine what it is to perform it. But there's this amazing scene after Charlie is buried and the family is kind of living as a unit of three now and they're having dinner. And of course, there's just this like incredible tension i mean the movie almost doesn't need all the horror elements because just the pure story the fact that annie coerced peter into taking charlie to the party and then peter pawned her off to go you know take care of herself while he smoked pot and then she had an allergic reaction and then he was trying to drive her to the hospital and killed her i mean everybody's implicated in a way right like except for steven you know and like when what role does he play you know and that alone would be an incredible movie and a really interesting play. I mean, all of that is like the stuff that I could just watch all day, you know, like just put them all in the living room and let them yell at each other until it's over. I will watch that movie. We get a little of that in this scene where they're having dinner and, you know, Peter's just kind of, he can, he's just kind of pushing at her of like, what, what's on your mind? Like, I can tell there's something up, like, just say it. And... And it's like she's holding back because she has to hold back, right? Because if she lets loose, as she does in this scene, then it is going to go off the rails. And it is so good. Well, now your sister 
and I know you miss her, and I know it was an accident, and I know you're in pain, and I wish I could take that away from you. I wish I could shield you from the knowledge that you did what you did, but your sister is dead. She's gone forever. And what a waste. If it could have maybe brought us together or something. If you could just said, I'm sorry, or faced up to what happened, maybe then we could do something with this. But you can't take responsibility for anything. So now I can't accept. And I can't forgive. Because... I mean, and you have to see it, right? But, like, you can kind of hear this range that she goes through in yelling at Peter where it's like, you know, you did this, and I know you feel bad, and I know that, and I recognize that, but that's the reality of it. And it's like she she bounces her ability to kind of careen out of emotions and into new ones without missing a beat, without it seeming contrived, with it really being kind of how these situations would go. I mean, when you think about, I mean, it's it's logical, the math is there. She is his mother. So this conflict is there of like she doesn't want to be screaming at him that like you killed my daughter. But that is the truth. That is what you did. And she can't get away from that because that is just like eating her alive. But he's still her son. And she still has to kind of keep him included because she can't lose him too, you know? All of that drama has nothing to do with all of like the awful shit that's still to come for this family. And I can't believe that the stakes are so fucking high this early in the movie, you know? But I have to say, the, the line where where she she's like, Because nobody admits anything they've done! The way she does it, it is like the 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 fury in her eyes and that that no one admits anything they've done. Like that that um the done is so it's so much bigger than I think actors are allowed to go in a lot of movies because, of course, it could just go way too big, you know? But Tony Collette is just, like, so good at portion control when it comes to this stuff. I think what I love about horror movies so much is that they, there is this permission for the acting to be operatic, for it to be melodramatic. And not just permission, but there's context, right? Like, the stakes are so high in horror movies. Like, so, right, Marco? I don't know if you heard that. The stakes are so high. So it's like, of course, people are going to be losing their shit. Of course, people are going to be screaming and crying. One of my favorite horror movies, and this is a strange one because it does not really fit into everything else that I like, but there's even some similarities, I would say, to Hereditary. Um, I am a big fan of the original 1974 Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I have loved that movie since I first saw it when I was like 12, way too young to see it, scared the shit out of me, but I also like was immediately intrigued. One of the things I really appreciate about this movie is that like most people think it's this incredibly violent bloodbath, and it's not. Most of the violence is filmed in a way that it's just off screen or completely off screen, and part of that was because they were trying to get, um, you know, avoid an X rating, you know, because that's kind of where things were at in the early 70s. Um, but it, what it ended up doing was leaving so much to the audience's imagination, but leaving in enough for the audience to think that they had just seen the most intense, violent, crazy, brutal movie, when in fact their mind had done most of the work of creating that. I also feel like in terms of the emotional aerobics, in terms of 
pushing an actor to to great emotional extents. Tony Collette certainly has a peer in that film star Marilyn Burns, who played Sally, who is the um, sort of main protagonist of the movie, uh, who also goes through the ringer in a different way. It's a different experience, but like you're certainly having moments where you're like, oh my God, I'm not even thinking about this character anymore and what she's going through. I'm thinking about this actress and what she's going through. <laughs> It's, um, it, it's a really, I mean, I kind of want to do an episode about her and about that movie. I've always really liked her performance, and it's always what's ground me to that movie and what's made me come back to it is just the, the notes of hysteria that she brings us to. I mean, the, the movie is such an accomplishment. It's so well filmed. The cinematography is so interesting. The, um, just the whole sort of randomness, the fact that it all just kind of it's, it happens randomly and ends randomly, like just the commentary that it's making. I mean, there's so much about it that's so smart and I think gets lost because people just see this labeled as like, oh, this like filthy splatter movie. And it's just so much smarter. Uh, so, And there's kind of like this drag element to it as well with Leatherface. So that's an interesting uh, angle as well. Um, so maybe at some point, I don't know, I, that's one of these things I'm realizing is that for this podcast, there's all these horror movies I want to talk about, and I don't know if people are going to be into that, but you can't start with what people are going to be into. You got to start with what you're into. So I'm glad we had this chat. I feel like I would be remiss to not at least mention the name Anne Dowd. Now, I should be, I should be the queen of the Anne Dowd fan club. I should be very familiar with Anne Dowd. I feel like she is the quintessential best supporting actress right now. And she's a, a, a older woman in that she's not in her 20s, which I love. I love a bit of texture and a bit of, you know, nuance with my best supporting actresses. And and she is so good in Hereditary. Um, you kind of know. You're like, okay, we cannot trust this woman, Joan, from the beginning. You can't trust anyone in this movie. But it's interesting in, in the ways that this movie is somewhat reminiscent of, say, Rosemary's Baby, um, in that the, the ending feels very reminiscent of Rosemary's Baby. Um, but I feel like Joan's character does feel like a version of like Minnie, uh, Ruth Gordon's character, of course, from Rosemary's Baby, um, who, of course, won the Best Supporting Actress Oscar. Um, she also is a little bit reminiscent. Like, I feel like this character also operates the way um, Bobby does in The Stepford Wives. And Bobby is, of course, you know, uh, Joanna's only ally for most of the story until she, too, becomes a Stepford Wife. Spoiler alert. Um, but there is that feeling of like, oh, I know this is crazy, but I'm the only other person right now who gets it. But you kind of know from the start, like, Bobby is always good people who just, you know, ends up in an unfortunate event, whereas you kind of know that Minnie and Joan, you know before you know that you really shouldn't trust them. Um, but she is, uh, so the reason I'm not super familiar with Anne Dowd is because I did not watch The Leftovers. Um, I am familiar mostly with uh, the gif of Justin Theroux going for a jog in sweatpants. Um, is there anything else to know about that movie? Oh, yeah, Anne Dowd. Okay. So I, I will watch it. Not movie. It's a, it's a TV series. Right. Um, so I will watch it. I will. I have HBO Go, and then I have some password that has been passed on to me, um, like a pair of traveling pants. Um, I also know that Anne Dowd is a big mover and shaker in the world of The Handmaid's Tale, which I'm not watching because that just seems like such a stressful show. It just, I mean, I'm sure it's so good. 
And I bet there are so many face journeys. I know there are face journeys. I know there are nuances. I know that the whole show is just rich with women acting, capital W, capital A. But it just seems like the kind of show where it's like, oh my God, did Lars von Trier direct every episode of this? Can anyone just catch a break? I just struggle with that. I just, I, there's only so much of that I can endure. Um, and I know that the whole idea is how unendurable this is and how awful it is and that we should feel that way because we should recognize how this reflects a potential reality. I hear all of that 110%. I just don't know if I can right now, okay? Um, but I will for Ann Dowd. And, and I hear there's other... I feel, oh, you know who else I hear is really good in that? Um, other than Elizabeth Moss, obviously. Um, is Alexis Bledel... And I see, I watched all of Gilmore Girls, and I never felt that she was the um, powerhouse of that acting troupe, so to speak. I never felt like she was um, who you tuned in for, you know? Uh, so I was excited to hear that she's actually really great. And I think that's awesome, right? Like, that's great news that she either found the right role or the right script or the right, you know, coach. Um, so... Those are all the reasons that I am not super familiar with Anne Dowd, but I this movie was probably the most time I've spent with her, so to speak, and I loved it. I she's she is my kind of actress. I totally get what she's doing. I totally get the type of actress she is and, and the things that she does with roles, and it's everything I love. It's everything I love, and I know that she's going to get a Best Supporting Actress Oscar. I can feel it. Like her and like Margot Martindale are going to be fighting the same year. I can feel it. Um, I feel like, I mean, they're not the same age, but they both seem to be kind of, um, I feel like Margot Martindale a few years ago was kind of doing what, she was the end out of a few years ago. She was in everything. I don't know what she's in now. I should look her up. I like Margot Martindale. She's a good egg. Um, anyway, the other thing that I wanted to mention, and this is really just a teaser for probably a future episode, is I felt like this movie also had similarities to Rachel getting married because there's a whole plot line there of, a child dying and it being sort of the you know, because of the irresponsible actions of the other child and blah, blah, blah. Um, but I don't want to dive into it too much. I just want to kind of mention it because I definitely want to do an episode about that movie and certainly specifically that scene. That scene. I know what you're like, which scene? There's so many of them. There's so many good ones. But I think for me, when I say that scene in that movie, for me, it is, of course, the Deborah Winger. Anne Hathaway total knockout scene. It is the punching each other scene. It is, oh, I love that scene so much. I love Deborah Winger in that movie. She is, I, I, like, I just wait for her scenes. You know what I mean? I love Rosemary DeWitt in that movie. Anne Hathaway is pretty good. I love Bill Irwin in that movie. Um, but um, for me, it is all about Deborah Winger. And she, she's just like, oh, God, I can't wait to talk about that movie. So there are definitely other Tony Collette performances that I, I want to queen out on, but I think I'm going to save them because I think that means we get to have another Tony Collette episode. Um, I want to talk about, of course, her other foray into the horror world, so to speak, The Sixth Sense. I think that was really the first time I really became aware of Tony Collette. Now, obviously, I know Muriel's Wedding, but I think when I saw The, uh, the Sixth Sense, when it came out, I guess I was in high school. No, I was... Um, no, I was in like eighth grade. I was I was like fourteen. Um, I I was kind of vaguely aware of Muriel's wedding, but it just really wasn't on my radar, and I didn't connect the two that it was that that was Tony Collette because of course she doesn't have an Australian accent in the Sixth Sense. She has a sort of um, you know Philadelphia accent, and um, 
I get and her and her body type is different. She's bigger in Muriel's wedding, and so I just didn't put the two together because I was fourteen and I was still kind of archiving all of these details, you know. Um, but I I remember really liking her in the Sixth Sense, but also and also feeling like oh I don't know who this woman is, but I totally know like I don't know who this actress is necessarily, but I totally know who she's playing. I know what kind of mom this is. I kind of get the character she's playing, and it was so different from then who I saw her as kind of out of the movie and in other roles. It was like like um, Little Miss Sunshine, you know? It's like, oh, oh, you're not like that at all. And so I also have not seen the United States of Tara, but I feel like that is kind of the, um, it, it's sort of this exhibit of the transformative qualities and abilities of Toni Collette. Um, and I do, I do actually want to talk about Muriel's wedding, but I feel like, I mean, I just can't, like, as, as happy and funny and, and joyful as that movie is, I just find myself drawn to her mother, the sad story of her poor mother. Um, I just can't get around it. I just, like, I know it's sort of, <laughs> it's kind of heavy, but it's just like, that's where there's just, I, I just immediately go to that to mine for the nuances and the details. I can't help it. But it will save all that for an upcoming Tony Collette episode. And we'll just dedicate this to Hereditary and however many times I said, oh my God, it was just so good. Um, it's, I think it's probably on its way out of the theaters, but I'm sure it's on its way to iTunes, etc. soon. It's totally worth seeing, but if you don't like horror movies, maybe you can just find some selected scenes when it comes out because this movie will fuck you up. Uh, I can definitely guarantee you that. I felt like then after watching it, like that night I went to bed and I was just like, Think I, uh, I think I'm gonna leave, leave like a little light on. Maybe just like a maybe like one in the bathroom, you know. Um, and I remember doing that after seeing The Sixth Sense. Like that movie freaked me out, and I was like, I have to turn this light on right now. But anyway, I think that is all we're going to cover today in this week's episode of In the Details. Um, if you have thoughts on Hereditary or Tony Collette or other things you want me to talk about or are interested in or have thoughts on, you should drop me an email at inthedetailspod at gmail.com. Or you could send me a tweet or a DM. I guess we have to be friends, but you can just add me on Twitter and then you can DM me. Um, I guess I have to add you back. Oh, I'll figure it out. Anyway, it's at Colin Drucker on Twitter. And of course, you know, if you want to head over to iTunes and leave a rating if you're into what I'm doing, and if you want to leave a review so you can let other people know why you're into what I'm doing, that would be awesome. That's so, so helpful right now because In the Details is still just a baby. Uh, And next week, I don't know what I'll be back for, but I know it's going to be good. So, um, oh, Marco, is it time to eat? I guess it's time for me to feed the cat. I will talk to you guys next week for another celebration of acting choices, micro moments, and all of the nuances that I can find in the details. Bye, everyone.